Um, Wednesday nights are cranking back up. We're excited about that. Royal Rangers Impact, they had their awards night uh, this week, and um, what a great time. I came across a, a photo of Kelly when she was crowned Daisy Honor, and uh, that had to be in Jacksonville. So uh, she, she was like, I, I just see uh, we have the crowning that she had as an honor star in Jackson. She was one of seven girls that night that was crowned honor star. So they had to share the glory with a few others. But what a great ceremony it was for Madeline Verdine to be crowned honor star. It's such a hard place to get to. A lot of work, a lot of memory. And, um, and I... I heard that she scored 98% on the exam, the highest score that anybody that we can think of here. She only missed one question out of all of those questions. So uh, it was a great night. So uh, Wednesday night we'll be in here for our adult time of Bible teaching and uh, the youth and rangers and missionettes. We're still working on, on child care. So you may still have to keep the little ones with you. Uh, we're working on that for Sunday as well. We're eager to hear what uh, the new protocols are going to be. We're getting closer to October the 2nd for Governor Ivey to either amend or continue. So we're just hoping we'll have uh, good numbers enough to where we can relax some of this. Anybody want to say amen to that? Amen. I'll, I'll say it for all of us. Amen. Um, tonight at 6 p.m., even though it's six months uh, later, when it was supposed to take place, we're going to have our annual business meeting tonight at 6 p.m. So we have the reports ready. This was supposed to happen the last Wednesday in March. And, of course, you know what happened in the middle of March. They shut churches down and uh, didn't reopen until the latter part of May. We didn't reopen until the latter part of May. We took a week or so to get ready, but it's going to be neat. Even if you're not a member we invite you there's there's no fights that break out in our business meeting we don't believe in that uh we believe in loving each other and honoring god how's that well i want to get right uh, to the message uh many of you know that i love the book of romans we're going to go to the book of romans here in just a moment chapter 14 and um you know i i love this book i love romans 8 it's probably one of the greatest chapters to me that tells you the, uh, the inner workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, just like it starts off, there is therefore now no condemnation. I'm not preaching on Romans 8. I could. Uh, there's no condemnation to those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And some, trans, some manuscripts don't have that latter part in verse 1, but it's repeated like two or three verses later. And the whole thing is about how to walk in this life, not in the flesh, which is very easy to do. You don't even have to try to walk in the flesh. But he says, how do you walk in the spirit every day? And, and that puts that chapter in a strategic place in our lives because that's something we face every single day, the challenges. And by the way, I want to I tell you to be in prayer for Nora. Nora was in a terrible car wreck Tuesday. Her car was totaled. She's okay. I, I say she's okay. She didn't go to the ER. But I guess the lady that rear-ended her was going 50 or more miles per hour when she was trying to turn off of Highway 11. So it really destroyed both of those cars. The lady that hit her was six months pregnant, and uh, they took her to the hospital, and Nora 
did find out that she was doing okay and the baby's okay. But, the, but when Nora called me, she said, I'm okay, but pray for this lady that hit me. So the next day, she was so sore she couldn't hardly move. So I don't know how much of a Nora you're going to get out there for Children's Church next, uh, the, for the next service. But be in prayer for her. Also, a good report on Shelby Piercy. His bone marrow biopsy came back negative. Negative. <clears throat> so really neat report on him. Continue to pray. He, he faced harsh, harsh um, chemotherapy that really is tough to get through it and to over to come out of it and get ready for the next round. So, But God is doing something in his body because cancer was found in his bone marrow before they started the treatments. So we praise God for that. Well, I'm going to jump to chapter 14. I could go on and on about chapter 8, but uh, we're looking at chapter 14. I love this chapter, and today is not going to be a three-point message. It's going to be kind of like a, a, a narrative. I think I have about 20 or so points here. Something like that. So are you ready for that? <laughs> I titled this message this morning, Carnivores versus Vegetarians. Carnivores versus Vegetarians. And of course, the backdrop of this is how does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? This is to the church. This is not a, a letter to public people. This is the body of Christ in Rome. He's writing. These are all believers. So remember that when he's when he's speaking to them, he's talking about within the church, these things are going on. Not outside the church, but in the church, the body of believers in Rome, these things were going on. Verse 1 goes like this. I'm reading out of the NIV, and I think Shane has the NIV up. Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, in case you're having wonder what that actually means... Let me throw some other translations at you, and you'll see how difficult that very first verse is for the translators. This is in the NAS, New American Standard. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Here's the King James, and, and this is really neat. This is how we learned Scripture when we was growing up. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. And I have no idea what doubtful disputations are all about. You can look it up. It, it really means to have a place where you're not certain about something, where it's not yay or nay. It's kind of like in between shaded areas. Well, here's another one. As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And here's the last one. Welcome those who are weak in faith and do not argue with them about their personal opinions. We don't need that encouragement, do we? And for some of us anyway, we don't want to waste a good opportunity to have a good argument, right? But here we go to carnivores and vegetarians. One person's faith, this is verse 2. Just, just be there at Romans 14. That's where we're going to be. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Now, I don't know why someone back then was weak if they only ate vegetables, but this is, this is him putting it in this kind of context. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. 
for God has accepted them. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those who eat, eats everything. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? This is kind of an interesting statement here in verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? What is he saying? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. It seems like he was saying, in an argument over food, do not treat each other outside the context of them belonging to Jesus, and that we're all servants of the Lord, so why do you want to pick on one servant of the Lord? Why would one person serving the Lord want, want to take issue with another? We don't ever do that, do we? That never happens. But it seems a standard here that the, he puts strength with the person who's able to eat meat. And he puts weakness with the person who really, not that I don't think they have just a love for vegetables, but they have a problem with meat. And in that regard, I think that they're not as confident in doing that. They have an issue or a conviction. They just don't feel comfortable eating meat. Now, it could be in the context of how they would go into the markets of that day and buy meat. It was obvious that some of those, some of the, the people hawking their wares there had dedicated their meat to their idols to help them sell the meat. And this is addressed in other places in the New Testament. And it comes down to this. If, if you know that it's been dedicated to an idol, it's probably better that you don't eat it. But don't worry if it was and you don't know it. Just commit it to the Lord and give thanks. And it seems like that's what he says here. The two words are prominent in these verses, through two through four, and it's the words judging and the word accepting. And the bottom line here, it seems to be that we all belong to the Lord. We're all his servants, and he's able to make one stand on one, how they stand on their opinion, and he can help someone else stand on an opinion that's different from them. And it's not re really reconcilable between the two opinions. But he's able to make them stand here and make them stand here, and they'd be very happy in the body of Christ. He said, accept them for this very reason. God has accepted them. And if God has accepted them, if God has accepted vegetarians, we should too. If God accepts carnivores, meat eaters, we should accept them as well. But then he shifts to a different example. And I don't think he's really identifying this as a pr problem in the church. He's using these as maybe examples of how they could be on opposite ends of a, an opinion. In verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Do, we still do that, don't we? Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And whoever eats meat, he brings these two examples back together. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord, because they also give thanks to God. It's kind of like, since both of them are giving thanks to God for what they're eating, that God accepts that. And we should too. And the common ground is that they both look to the Lord for their source of giving thanks to the steak or thanks to broccoli. And for me, it's much easier to give thanks for a steak because I am one of those who likes steak. I do thank the Lord for broccoli, but I'm not nearly as passionate in my giving of thanks for the broccoli as I am for the steak. 
But I guess some people look at that. And in some places today, the person who's vegetarian looks upon himself as more refined than these primitive people who are eating meat. And so maybe in that way, the vegetarian seems that they're the stronger person because they're not going to stoop to the level of eating meat. And so you still have a, two opinions, but when they are in the body of Christ, we have to draw a line and say, we have to respect that and accept them. Amen. So hang in there. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. Even the preaching might be lacking. It's good stuff. So verse 7, boy, this is one of two places in this chapter that just makes me hit the pause button and say, Lord, help me to absorb what that is. Help me to understand what that is. None of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This is what really is amazing in verse 9. He says, for this reason, for this reason, because there's going to be people who see themselves in such a way as disconnected from people that don't have the same opinion that they have. For this reason, Jesus came and died and returned to life. It's kind of interesting. He didn't say that he came to be here to die and be resurrected. But he talks about that he came to die on the cross and was raised from the dead so that he could be Lord over both. This is what he says. He came for this reason, to die, to return to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So he says you don't die to yourself. And you don't live to yourself. You're connected to people both in your living and in your death. And boy, aren't we reminded of that more recently? Since this pandemic, we understand how memorial services work and how much of that has changed. In March, I, I went to Newburgh, Indiana and preached my first cousin's memorial service, Harry Allen Martin, one of only three first cousins that we have and the time to minister to him it was right in the middle of that where the funeral homes were getting protocols and they were a little lax and and we were inside the the funeral home with about 50 people and with, there was no social distancing it was some some were wearing masks somewhere there was not a set thing yet in in that part of march but his life mattered his life mattered because it was connected to us, connected to other people. I met people that he was connected to, and he really didn't live just for himself, and he didn't die for himself. There was people pulled into that. I still talk to Diane, his wife, from time to time and have prayer with her. She struggles. In that same month, I went over to Mississippi and preached the graveside service for Nora's mom. And by that time, the protocols were all set in motion, no end funeral home service, and there was just a small number of people at the graveside. But her mother's life connected to so many other people. They weren't all there, but they were connected. In the same time, when E. Smith passed away, not from COVID, but just from 
being the elderly, I mean, she, was, she and Brother Smith was married for 77 years. That tells you how old she was. And yet, they got great-grandchildren. They got a, a, an enormous family tree. And the funeral home down here, only a part of them could attend her memorial. Even though her life, think about how many people her life was connected to. And it says we do not live our lives for us and we do not die for us. We're all connected to other people. Leon Clay's graveside service. We didn't, couldn't have it in the funeral home. We had it at the graveside and we kind of, th there was a smaller crowd there than otherwise would have been there. Now Sarah Davis passed away before all of this happened, but look at how many people her, her life touched. She didn't live her life for herself. She lived it for others and for the Lord. And in her death, there were so many people connected to her in her memorial service. On July 29th, Bill Leonard, not really well known to a lot of people, but those who had been around him and been with him when he was greeting, he and Larfine, he was a wonderful person to interact with. But suddenly taken, I mean, suddenly in, in his sleep, he died in his sleep on July 29th. And this Saturday... At 11, Larfine's going to have a memorial for him. And we're going to honor him. It's, it's, there was a lot of things with his family members being in the state of Washington. And we really don't know all that, but it's time to have to honor him. But the people he touched here, he left an impression on them. He did not live his life for himself. He lived it for other people. And then I saw that Randy Dixon, uh, Rhonda Moore's dad, passed away. And... Um, connected to him years ago he worked in the jim walker mines it was a part of his crew was some of those that died in the explosion and and they've walked through that painful journey and now Rhonda's said goodbye to her other parent her mom died a year or so ago these these lives are not separated from us even if you do not know any of those people we are connected because the body of christ remains connected and this is what I just am amazed when he says, for this very reason, Paul said, this is the reason Christ died and returned to life. He stepped into our, our world and he tasted death for us. Death could not hold him, as the song said. <clears throat> he is victorious. And here's the other place in this chapter that kind of gets my, my imagination all worked up. You then, who do you judge your, why do you judge your brother or sister? And why do you treat them with contempt? And the next line, we say this a lot when we refer to what's going to happen. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Have you ever used that statement? We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Well, it's in the context of people arguing over their opinions. <laughs> I don't know. That kind of like speaks to me that maybe we should like deal with this. That he pulls out two things. The very reason why Jesus came and died and was returned to life is for our lives to be so interconnected to him that we treat other people with respect. And then he gets to this point where he says, we're going to all stand before God's judgment seat, his Bema seat, a seat of evaluation and awards. We'll all stand there and says, as it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us, and here's verse 12. If verse 11 doesn't get your attention, each of us 
I think this means each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. How many of you right now are ready to give an account of yourself to the Lord? Maybe, maybe we like, well, I need to patch up some things, Lord, just yet. Maybe I need to go back to what happened last week or last month and get some things ironed out because I don't really want to think that I'm going to have to face and give a total account of my life with some of this stuff lingering behind me. We should check ourselves when it comes to passing judgment, when bringing criticism or contempt. We'll all be examined. In verse 13, he just tells us, stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Don't make their life harder for them because you disagree with them. And nobody does that on Facebook. Nobody uses Facebook to throw stumbling blocks in front of people. He says, I am convinced, fully, fully fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. In other words, meat and veggies make a great meal together. Neither one's unclean. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If you have a conviction about it, honor the conviction you have. But don't press that conviction on other people. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer, oh, this is when it's getting interesting right here. If you know they're being distressed by what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. A simple thing like meat or veggies he says, could be a damaging point for someone, a destructive point for someone. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not, not a matter. Verse 17 is really sums it up. Kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. He says, if you just focus, instead of meat, or veggies, focus on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, if I think Paul was writing for our day and wanted to use an example that, that would kind of fit our occasion, if I might take a little liberty to think he might write this, stop passing on judgment, stop passing judgment on another for not wearing a mask. If your brother or sister is distressed because you refuse to wear a mask, because you hate masks, and you don't even want to wear them sanding sheetrock, because nobody is going to tell you what to do, you are no longer acting in love. I'm not even looking up and making eye contact with anybody. <laughs> do not, I'm not finished with revising verse 15. Do not by your refusal to wear a mask destroy someone for whom Christ died. To wear a mask or not to wear a mask, that's the question. It's something so simple, and I know people say, well, it's strategic, it's, it's required. And, but how much have we allowed that to create animus and distress? I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm not talking about walking through Winn-Dixie and somebody yelling at you, why don't you have a mask on? Are you trying to kill everybody in the 
in this grocery store and shame you all the way to the door. And people are videotaping it. And it goes on Facebook. These people don't care about anybody. They're trying to kill everybody. They're not wearing a mask. And we're shame them till they're going home and they're not coming out in public for another week or so. I'm just saying, in the public out there, I understand that. But not in here. Or out there with us being in communion and being in community. I think we need to look at chapter 14 and really relevant to, to us how many of us have different opinions my wife says do you have to have an opinion on everything and my daughter has asked me the same question and and she's almost as opinionated as me so when she asked me that i was like am i that bad that i hear something on television that that's not true that's a lie they're not telling the truth and and finally one of them will say do you have to have an an opinion on everything? I said, yeah, I do. It's kind of in me. I need, to, I need to express how I feel. But listen to how this chapter ends. I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a chapter so relevant to us. And the praise team can come up. Let us therefore make every effort. What, listen to this. This is what you need to put your energy to. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. He's got it up there. Make every effort to do that. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. <clears throat> Don't let meat and veggies damage what God's doing. All food is clean. He just said it. The steak is clean. And chicken and ribs and all that is clean. But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Wow. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to stumble. The bottom line is, what is the effect of what you're doing on someone else? You might have freedom. You might be so confident in what you're doing. But if it's tripping someone else up, are we going to demand our right to do what we want to do? at the expense of hurting someone? That's the question. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. And whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because they're eating. And this may be one of the most scary verses you'll read. Whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. It's sin. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Have you sinned lately? Boy, that covers a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Stand with me. cried out to God Israel was so bad off and Daniel just a man of God I mean it's like can you get any closer to God than what Daniel having dreams and God speaking telling him dreams that 
Nebuchadnezzar had and, and interpretation. And when, but when Daniel started talking about the people of Israel, he said, oh, Lord, we have sinned. Not they have sinned. I'm, I really didn't fall for the stuff that they fell for. But he, he realized he didn't live his life just for him. He was part of the covenant people of God. And, and the condition of the whole was also his responsibility to say, we've sinned, forgive us. Forgive us, remove the stains from us. Lord, I, we, we appeal to heaven today for things outside of our control. The things that we have in our control is our daily habits and how we respond to people. But there's things that happens around us that we can be pulled into that's not of you. It's not anywhere near righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's so much flesh intertwined with it, we can't even see where the Holy Spirit has any part in it. And Lord, when these, I just believe you alert us to this, if we will listen, that you will warn us not to go and fall for the bait of Satan, not to enter to that trap because something is dangled in front of us that we have an opinion on and we jump into it and we do more damage than good. Pray, Lord, that you would cut your church in this country in the midst of such social unrest and political unrest. And Lord, we need you. We, we need healing in our land, and we need healing for us, all of us, to heal our souls, to heal our emotions, to drive anger out of us. You see us. You see what's deep inside of us and we give that to you you came to this earth to die for us and to be raised from the dead so that you would be lord over us while we're living and lord over us as we die and only you know that moment only you know our future but today we stand here in front of you and we say help us help us lord our hands and just say, Lord, I surrender myself to you. I surrender my life to you, my days to you. Lord, some of us have lived the great majority of our lives, just the reality we face. But every day is a day that given us. Today is the day you've given us. Today is the day that matters. It's the only time we can make decisions. It's the only time we can come to conclusions. It's the only time we can repent. We can't do future repentance. We can't do anything about yesterday, but we can do something about today and, and make today our time of communion with you and fellowship with you and say, Lord, help us. I, I, I pray against this virus. I, I, I come against it along with a lot of other people who are praying against it to, to break it, to break it off of us, to break it off of our nation, off of our world, that you would bring remedy, that you would bring healing, that you would bring deliverance. We've seen SARS go away. We've, we've seen the Ebola, Ebola crisis, and it went away. Make this go away from us. 
in Jesus' name. We, we cry out to you, Lord, because we trust you above a face covering. We trust you above what protocols we can do and should do. But we, tr we trust you, Lord, as our ultimate protection. There's no guarantee of anything else. But we're guaranteed of this, that you love us and you care about us. And you want us to be instruments in your hands, Lord. Whether it's at the university campus or next door in our neighborhoods or where we work or just interacting with people at a, at a grocery store, that we be sensitive, that we can be salt and light to someone and not to lose our saltiness and not to hide our light, but to influence people for your kingdom. this chorus again and have a few minutes of worship. 